your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Well, welcome back to For Better, Worse, or Divorce. I'm Brian Walters here with Jake Gilbreth, and today we will be addressing a common question from potential new clients calling the firm, which is, do I need an attorney, or why do I need an attorney for my case? And so we'll discuss some of common scenarios where people may not have thought they need an attorney and end up needing to hire one later, as well as things to be mindful of when you may not have considered. So... Jake, there's some things that I, I typically talk about with people when they're making this decision. It's, and it's a legit decision, by the way. You don't always need an attorney. And I, I certainly wouldn't encourage someone to always get one. But the, these things can be sometimes more complex than we think, especially when it's a divorce matter. So one of them that comes up, what's commonly called alimony, but we in Texas call spousal support or, or maintenance. Do you want to talk just briefly about that, about why that can be an issue or, or a source of conflict or disagreement? Yeah. First of all, you know, I'll, I'll kind of mimic what you said. There are legitimate cases where you're more than welcome to have a lawyer, and obviously, always better to have a lawyer. I mean, we're recording this in December of 2022, and across Texas, a lot of our pipes froze, and there's some stuff that's plumbing jobs around the house that probably, in theory, I could do myself. I could probably watch a YouTube video. I could read a book or something like that. And maybe there's some simple jobs around the house that I could do myself. Frankly, I'm not doing that because I know that I will mess it up. The simplest job to the most complex job, I will figure out some way to mess up any type of plumbing job around this house. And so for me, even if a plumber told me, hey, that's that's such a simple issue. I don't need to come out for that. I would say, I would really appreciate you come out. I'll pay for your time. It's the same for divorces. I talk to people all the time in consult. So I say, your case is so simple. You know, here's some forms. Here's a website you can go to. And if you get stuck, you're welcome to call us or, or we're happy to do it. But just so you know, just give the consumer that choice. And some people say, you know, I appreciate that. I still want y'all to do it. Some people go try on their own. If I think it's, if me as the lawyer really thinks that that makes sense for them. I would generally encourage people not to make that judgment call themselves uh, to at least consult with a lawyer to see if it's something you can handle yourself. But yeah, for example, spousal support, alimony, stuff like that. There's some very specific rules on that in the Texas Family Code that you know you could try Googling here and there, probably get conflicting answers. Sometimes, shockingly, you'll get conflicting answers from people um, that are lawyers and claim to be experts in family law, but it's very... Very specific to the statute and very fact-specific. We've had other podcast episodes on spousal maintenance, and we're talking spousal maintenance when a case is over, uh, not temporary support when a case is pending. And we've had podcasts on what actually qualifies for spousal maintenance, but it's pretty limited. But I'll have people that'll come in, and they'll be dealing with it because they Googled it or they you know, use some website that's really nationwide, not specific to the state's. And either extreme, somebody will end up agreeing to pay for spousal maintenance and you're, you know, talking to them three years later after their divorce decree and going, why are you paying 10 years of spousal maintenance when y'all were married for two years? She or he wouldn't have qualified for spousal maintenance. Oh, I didn't know. Or the reverse, right? It's like, why on earth did y'all 
not have spousal maintenance. You married for 15 years, you're a stay-at-home mom, and he works outside the home and makes half a million dollars a year, and you all had very little assets to divide up. You're telling me there wasn't spousal maintenance in your case? Like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't have a lawyer. In both extremes and everything in between are, you know, kind of hard to hear about after the fact. I hear a lot from people. I'm curious if you do too, Brian. A lot of people will call me kind of a couple of years after the divorce. Kind of uh, buyer's remorse is probably not the right way to put it. But having regrets and tell me, well, my spouse told me not to get a lawyer or if I get a lawyer, it's going to be a big fight or he or she won't give me anything if I get a lawyer. So I just did this myself and I just signed the paperwork. Can I change it now? And the answer is no, you can't. So that's just one example of the kind of complex issues that can come up that you should at least consult with a lawyer about. And, and that's a relatively easy one, frankly. Then Brian talked to us about you know asset division because asset division can be as easy as we're splitting up vehicles, we just rent our apartment, so we're you know somebody's taking the lease and divide up the joint bank account. And that's it. So I've seen people try to represent themselves and deal with more complex property division. So what's talk to us about that as far as having a lawyer involved or not and the problems that can happen. Yeah, there are a lot of them. And I agree with you. If you have a simple situation, you've been married a year, you don't have anything other than a maybe a, a cat or dog together. You know, you've each got your own bank account, your own one car, you rent. I, I agree. It, I don't think there's too much to worry about with that. But most people are not in that situation. Uh, most people are been married longer, have at least have a house together, probably retirement accounts, other assets and debts. And those things can be very complex. There's things you need to think about that I think a lot of folks don't think about, which is taxes a lot of times, either unpaid taxes that are coming up or the tax effect of various assets. $100,000 sitting in a checking account is is really worth a different amount than $100,000 sitting in a 401k because of taxes and probably would want to take that into consideration when you're dividing up your assets. Another one is is debts. A lot of people will think, oh, well, you know, there's a, we have a joint credit card and um we're just going to say, you know, my husband is going to take the credit card. Well, the credit card company may not may not agree with that. If he doesn't pay it in the future, that will come back on likely onto your credit or you could be the one held liable for it. So there's a lot of things like that to think about. As you've been together longer and you have more assets and debts, there's more things to deal with. And that there's also a lot of kid type issues, right? There's Things like child support, which is another one where you mentioned alimony or spousal maintenance. Texas deviates are different. Um, actually, each state is very different as it calculates child support and what is an exception and what is not. Um, how often are the exceptions applied? Those type of things can be pretty complicated. And kid things, unlike a property division, which is final once and for all, can be modified in the future, but it's difficult. If you agree with your spouse that you're going to do something with child support or custody or visitation or decision making with your child, and then, you know, a year later, you don't think that's a great idea. Yes, you could theoretically come back and ask the court to change it, but I think it's going to be difficult because you just agreed to it. Has that been um, your experience in, in dealing with these situations as well? Yeah, that's been my experience. Is And again, you know, sometimes a lot of times I get this situation where people come in and they haven't had a lawyer and they feel kind of bullied into a, in a kid arrangement, it, which if you can work it out amongst yourselves and you talk, I mean, ultimately, I would tell my clients, you're this child's parent. The two of y'all are this child's parents. Y'all know better than we do as far as what's best for your kids. So if y'all can work it out, knock yourself out. 
But extreme amount of clients come in, they just feel absolutely bullied into a possession schedule. You know, the kind of the stereotype is you have a parent that's primary caretaker, the other parent maybe works a lot, which is nothing wrong with that, but you know, just not as involved in the kid. And then they go through a divorce and somebody gets bullied into a 50-50 arrangement with no child support because they're told by their spouse, if you fight me on this, I'll you know make your life a living hell or spend all the money or whatever, which are unfortunately common threats that we sometimes hear people use to bully their spouse. And they sign off on something when, which makes no sense given their situation. You know, another example, though, is we'll see, you know, people that do have kind of an idea of what they want to do with their kids. They try to draft it up with good intentions on both sides. And it just doesn't make sense. Either legally, it doesn't make sense or it's not enforceable the way they drafted it. Or it just doesn't make practical sense. I mean, a lot of clients, this is their first divorce or their first time separating from a parent. I mean, this is our my 10,000th divorce or however many divorces I've done, how many divorces you've done, Brian. So we've seen the various different ways that things can go awry and big problems and kind of help people think through those problems. Again, even if it's just a consult, I have people come in, for example, and they say, we've talked, they're getting divorced with a two-year-old kid or a one-year-old kid. And we're going to split every single Christmas. It's kind of a common one you hear. It's like, we want to share Christmas because it's important to both of us. So we're going to split Christmas day from now until this kid's 18. And as an experienced lawyer, you go, that I get it. I understand why you feel that way right now. Think about the fact that four years from now, five years from now, statistically, both of y'all are going to be remarried. Statistically, you're going to be married to somebody who has kids. And you're going to have to have that conversation with someone that we never get to have Christmas with your family because I agree to my divorce decree that I'd spend every single Christmas with my ex. You just have to sort of think through that stuff. And again, just talking to a lawyer through a consult or kind of having somebody represent, even for kind of your low conflict or minimum conflict or even no conflict divorces, those are the types of things that a lawyer should be able to, you know, chime in efficiently and give direction to kind of save you from those pitfalls. Very much agree. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about what happens if you realize you need an attorney after your case is over, which is the answer is it's kind of too late at that point. And we've talked about most people who have complex cases are probably going to hire an attorney right off the bat. But and there are situations where, let's say the case has already been filed, you both agree we're not going to get attorneys, and then you hit a problem area, maybe one of these that we've just discussed. Can you tell us a little bit about what happens in that situation? Let's say two months after someone's filed, someone decides they want an attorney. Are they allowed to get an attorney even though they started out without one? Um, if so, how, what does that process look like? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is yes, absolutely. You're allowed to get an attorney. If you have a lawyer, like we've talked about in other podcast episodes, you're allowed to switch. If you have a lawyer and you decide to represent yourself, you're allowed to fire your lawyer and represent yourself. But yeah, the situation where you've been, you know, best efforts trying to represent yourself and it just doesn't work out and I need a lawyer to help me through this process or I need a lawyer to review something that we've done. That's a relatively easy process. I mean, for our office, you go through the intake process, just as if you were somebody who had filed before. You know, once we do a consult and we decide that you know we're a good fit, contract signed, retainers paid, we file what's called a notice of appearance, just telling the court and the other side we're this person's lawyer now, and then we just take over the case from there. And it's relatively simple to do on our end. I mean, sometimes people. I think 
think that it's difficult for us to jump in if somebody's been handling it themselves, but sometimes I have clients that come in there and represent themselves, and frankly, they're a little embarrassed with kind of the mess that they've made, no different than if I tried a plumbing job at my house and gave it my best and then called the plumber. Odds are I've probably made it worse, and odds are it's probably embarrassing the way I went about it. And for us, it's we see it all the time, right? And we can, if there's things that need to be fixed or amended pleadings, I mean, typically we're coming in and cleaning up pleadings, making sure that you've actually pled for the things that you're entitled to. That's another thing, by the way, that we haven't talked about. You know, somebody representing themselves and forgets to plead for separate property or forgets to plead for reimbursement claims or a disproportionate division. I mean, we take pleadings really seriously in Texas, particularly when a case is going to trial. And that's something that, you know, one paragraph in a divorce petition could be a six-figure mistake or a smaller mistake, but it could be a mistake that could be easily fixed. But we're fixing, you know, we're checking everybody's pleadings, make sure things need to be cleaned up, they need to be cleaned up, making an appearance. It, it's pretty seamless and nothing to be embarrassed about. Uh, I tell people it's this. And I, I said, by the way, I have sometimes clients come in, I go, well, if you want to come work for me? This is great. You've been doing an amazing job uh, on this so far, but they need that kind of extra expertise to sort of help move them along. But it's easy. It's easy. It's seamless. It happens right away. And for most of my clients, the experience is when you make that, I understand it's an expense, but when you make that decision to go from representing yourself to having a lawyer, the goal is that it's a huge relief. It takes a lot of the anxiety out of the process because it's a stressful process as is. And then doing it yourself just adds to the stress. I mean, I'll say this. I don't mind sharing this. I, I tell clients this all the time. I mean, I talk about on the website. I'm pretty open with people. I've been through a divorce. And when I was going through my divorce, I was a board certified family lawyer. And I had a lawyer represent me. And I suppose I could have done it myself. Uh, I certainly knew what needed to happen. But emotionally, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, frankly, being so close to it, I would have made mistakes or poor judgment decisions just because it's a hard time. It sucks. I tell clients that all the time. Going through a divorce sucks a lot. And then representing yourself on top of that did not sound like fun to me. And I was fortunate to be able to have a lawyer represent me in my divorce. And it, and it certainly helped through the process. But that's the goal, right? We get involved and we take that off your plate and reduce the anxiety and make sure that you know your legal rights are protected, your family's protected, and, and sort of take the case to the finish. Yeah, I agree. Another common question we get is, hey, I'm, we're going through a divorce. We're agreed. It's going to be uncontested. We do want to have a lawyer represent us so we can understand, you know, get the paperwork right and understand the process and procedures. So can I bring my spouse in and, you know, we both hire you to, to represent us? The answer is no. The state bar won't let us because even though you might be agreed now, there's a potential conflict of interest in the future. And that we're not allowed to do that. We have to represent one or the other of you. So if you're the one calling us, it's going to be you. Now, as a practical matter, that doesn't need to mean anything bad, right? I mean, most of when I do that, most of the time the spouses tell me like, or the, or the client tells me, hey, um, you know, treat them fairly. This is totally above board. We're not not doing anything that's underhanded or tricky or anything like that. And, and of course, I wouldn't do anything unethical anyway, but that's the way we approach it. And um, we you know, draw it up. We try to be fair, open with everybody. But just to be clear, we can't represent the both of you. That doesn't mean the other person needs to hire their own attorney, although they often will at least to review it. But that's a common question. Just wanted to get that out there. Any thoughts or experiences you have other than that, 
uh, Jake? I think you covered it. I mean, I tell people all the time, just because you have lawyers involved doesn't mean you're fighting. I have cases. I mean, it's buying a house. Both sides could have a realtor. That doesn't mean they're in some bidding war or, or it's contentious or anything like that. It's just a transaction. And sometimes divorces range. Sometimes divorces on the very low conflict to no conflict. It's just a transactional matter, no different than buying a house. But there's paperwork involved that needs to sort of there's things that need to happen uh, and need to be taken care of, you know, from small to more complexity. But just because we're just because both sides have a lawyer doesn't mean that you're at each other's throats or that you're fighting or anything like that. It could just be that you both have somebody guiding you through the process. Uh, if Brian and I decided we were going to buy a business together, he and I decided that this divorce works a lot of fun, but let's go purchase a car wash together. Let's not do that. But we're going to go purchase a car wash business. And we found one. Let's, uh, you know, he and I would have a lawyer uh, and our broker, at least, and the seller would have a lawyer and broker. And that doesn't mean we're fighting. It just means that we have professionals that know what they're doing. I, I represented a, a folks who owned a car, actually a bunch of car washes one time. It's actually actually good business, but um, it, well, maybe that there was we go. to them. <laughs> so I like what we're doing uh, with our business, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. We'll talk about it outside the podcast. Okay, well, just a couple other quick things before we we wrap up here. We also get calls pretty frequently about, hey, could you just review some documents, either review a a proposed prenup or postnup or the documents I'm drafting, that kind of thing. We tend not to do that, just the review of the documents. It's a bit of a kind of a undertaking to to do that for what is often a 30-minute or one-hour uh, job. We do have consults where we can go over those uh, as part of a consult. Uh, that's slightly different than a formal review of the documents and any kind of written opinion, but that's that will usually give you what you need. Um, but we do make exceptions. I got hired yesterday to to review a prenup, actually, and exactly what I'm doing. But that's kind of the way we approach it is generally we don't do these too often, these little one-off review of things. Um, but we do a lot of consults and we will make exceptions in certain cases. At least that's the way I typically approach it. Is is that the way you think of those things, Jake, or you have a little different policy there? No, I'm the same. I mean, do the consult. We'll talk about it. And then if it needs more than the consult, I may refer it. Or if it, if there's an exception, then then we'll do it. But yeah, do the consult. And certainly, I mean, I tell people, if if you're representing yourself at a minimum, and I mean bare minimum, before signing anything, have, do a consult with a lawyer and have them review it to see if there's any glaring red flags. Because in a in a consult, I can identify glaring red flags. A more intense document review, like you said, maybe we'll do a one-off representation for that, or maybe we'll refer it to somebody. Absolutely. So one last thing before we wrap up, we've got kind of a lightning round of four quick questions. I'll just answer each question if you want to you know, jump in or add or contradict me or whatever feel feel free to do it <laughs> and then um it happens all the time like don't always get it right so anyway so just those four quick questions that, that also sometimes come up so one of them is will hiring an attorney expedite the divorce process the answer is yes if nothing changes right so if you if it's an agreement you guys have the terms that you're hiring an attorney to just kind of walk it through the system yeah i think that will be much quicker than than trying to do it yourself now if you hire us and you know, we say, well, gosh, this proposal that your spouse has made is really unfair because of you know some of the things we've just discussed, then that will probably slow it down, right? Because now there'll be a, a disagreement that we'll have to resolve in some way. But 
that's only if you opt to do that, and that's only because you wanted to protect your interests. So it might take a little bit longer, but you're going to get a better outcome. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but it's um, it's tedious work. If you don't have a lawyer doing it, then yep. you're gonna it's gonna drag. Exactly. If my spouse hires an attorney, do I need one? I think I think we sort of touched on this a little bit above. You don't need one. It's not required by law. But, you know, that is sort of a red flag, right? It's sort of that your spouse has now got somebody who's an expert and looking at it and is going to make sure that T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and that all their rights are, are protected. And so you might want to have, I think it's probably smart to have an attorney at least look at the document if they're pre presenting something to you to sign. Yeah, agree 100%. Can getting an attorney for limited representation help bring the cost down? Yes. And that's relatively new thing in Texas where you can have limited rep. We mentioned that a little bit above where talked about just kind of a document review. You can't used to be you had to hire an attorney just for hire them overall. That would be more expensive because it opened the attorney up to a lot of responsibility. Now you can do it on a more limited basis. As we mentioned, that's not something we do a whole lot of, but we're open to it. We've done it. Yeah, it's hard to do a la carte. You know, I want you to handle this kind of small portion because it's everything bleeds into everything. But but for hearings particularly, you know, somebody says I've got a contested protective order coming up. Or a temporary orders hearing, that may be something that we jump in for, handle the hearing, jump out of the case once it's done. And then certainly for trial. I mean, we have people all the time contact us either with a lawyer or represent themselves. And it's 45 days out, 30 days out, a week out from trial. And they say, I can't do this or my lawyer can't do this. I need you guys to come in and try the case. That is what we're built for. So, so certainly those those situations. I agree. And lastly, are there any downsides to staying legally married and just living separately? And I mean, there's there's consequences, upsides and downsides. Texas is, as far as I can tell, the only state that doesn't have legal separation. So there is no difference between living together or living separately. You still have the financial obligations to each other. The money that you earn or your spouse earns is still community property, money from investments, interest, dividends, profits, those kind of things are still community so it is probably not a smart idea to do that. I think there's a couple of options. One is you could have a postnuptial agreement, which would address those kind of things, but that's a fairly complex legal document you're going to have to have drafted. Another one is to, you know, somehow divide things out or, or maybe you have very simple circumstances and you don't, it doesn't really make much difference. Sort of the example we talked about, about two people with, you know, just a cat and a and a rent, you know, so a place that they rent. But generally speaking, I don't think that's a wise idea. We've had people come to us 10, 20, even 30 years later, we've been separated, you know, I just want to make the paperwork and it's not that simple, at least in Texas. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, same. If you're staying married, you know, don't go buy a lotto ticket because you may be splitting up the proceeds with, with somebody that you thought that you were legally separated from. But just another reason to talk to a lawyer, right? What's this legally mean? would be my spouse separating. I never push people to get a divorce, but I do. It is our job to let people know what the legal consequences of their decisions are. Okay. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. If you like what you heard today, do us a favor and leave us a review. We appreciate all feedback, especially when it helps us better the podcast. If you have any questions, reach out to us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com or any of the other ways you can reach us. I'm Brian Walters here with Jake Gilbreth. Thanks for listening. For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbreth.com.
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you.